Amen. 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 We thank God again for his work and we're excited about how God is developing us as a community of faith, um, as, a, as a group of people who are chasing after, who are chasing after um, his glory, what it looks like to join him in what he's doing rather than ask him to join us in what we're doing. And so we want to be a people that are absolutely stunned and passionate about uh, being God chasers, being people who, whose lives are marked, who, who lives are marked, whose lives have been changed and our lives will never be the same ever, ever, ever again. Uh, we have to not only proclaim that reality, but live in light of that reality. And in a world, in our world today, we have that reality always at our fingertips, always at the crevices of our hearts and always at the tip top of our mind, hopefully. And as we've been going through this series in Proverbs about the issues of life, um, you know, we, we've been just talking about, you know, being a wise person versus being a person of folly or, or a foolish person. And we talked about in the first week as we were going through our time together, it's just what is a proverb, just kind of giving an overview of proverbs and the centrality of wisdom to the Christian's life. Um, week before last, we, um, we even talked again about that reality, but dive, it dove into, you know, the, what, it, what does it mean to be teachable? In other words, the ideal student. And then last week, Pastor Deuce um, ministered to us in, a, in yet another area of wisdom where it talks about if you're going to be a person of wisdom, you have to be a person of trust. Your, your life has to be marked by dependence on God. Like, like there is no way, shape, or form that our lives can't be centered on, on, on his means, who is Jesus Christ, and continuing to have our lives marked by being a person of trust. Not a person that's just a gig-getter. A person that is willing to do things on their own. The person that can make it happen. The entrepreneurial soul devoid of the depths of a person that's a truster of the Lord God. But then this week... Um, we're diving into a, a subject that I think it's, it, it's relevant. I mean, all of the Bible is relevant. We don't make it relevant. We just communicate it relevantly. But, but, but this week, we're, we're, we're diving into relationship issues. Relationship issues. Um, don't, I mean, some of you all have perked up already, think I'm going to talk about how to get a boyfriend, how to get a girlfriend. Um, but when we talk about relationship issues, let, let, me, let me just explain how we're doing and how we're developing this. What we've done is we've surveyed the book of Proverbs and we've looked at the different topics that the book of Proverbs has talked about. And we said, which ones are God lead, is God leading us to do that's pertinent to where we are in our development, that's pertinent to where we are in Christ, pertinent to help us to, um, to gain a, a depth of theological information and, and philosophical development, but then also what does it look like to uniquely and skillfully live that out in everyday life. And so as we dive into Proverbs, this week we're going to talk about relationships issues. You know, it's interesting when you talk to a lot of people, a lot of, uh, especially sisters and especially dudes. I, I've, all, I've heard this statement before I got saved, and I heard this statement after I trust Jesus Christ. I, I, I always notice a few sisters that like to hang with dudes. And I'd always ask them, I'd say, you know, why why you like to hang with dudes? Because girls get on my nerves. They, they they got too much drama. You know, they I mean, when you're around them, they 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 gossiping about you, talk, they smile on your face, ha 
and then after you walk away from them, they cut up and act a fool. And so I just, I just don't like, men, y'all just, y'all straight to the point and y'all, 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 y'all lack the drama. Then you got, you know, guys that don't hang with guys too much. But, 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 but hang, you know, with a lot of, with a lot of, with a lot of women. And I'm not implying anything by them being more comfortable around women. I just find it odd. I, I don't know. But we, we live in a society where people kind of rig their lives based on the people they want to be around that they feel the most comfortable around. And I, I noticed that in Proverbs, it, it really doesn't get that deep. It really dives into two types of relationship groups. There are only two. There's the community of the fool, and there's the community of the wise. I mean, at, at the end of the day, those, those are two community groups. There are only two community groups in the world. The, the, the community of the fool, they, there are different types of care groups within the community of the fool. You got people that, 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 um, that, that like particular types of music, um, even in the community wise, but, and so they like to hang with this type of, the people that are punk rockers, you know, that like a particular style of dress or gothic or indie rockers or hip hop. They like to hang with that particular group of people, not just because the aesthetic of their, of, of the style of their gear, but also of the philosophy that, uh, that impels their minds. And so they kind of hang together in, in these cliques and in these, and in these relationships. And a fool knows a fool when a fool sees a fool. But then in, 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 in Proverbs, it also talks about the community of the wise. Like when you're looking at Proverbs, it's not merely talking about individuals. It's not merely talking about uh, people. It, it's, it's talking about a, a person that's marked a certain way, but then how you actually choose relationships. And, 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 and even, even in relation to the community of the wisdom of, of the wise, the, 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 the author seems to be, it's, and it's so beautiful how Solomon in this section lays it out. And we're going to, you're going to have to have your Bibles. We're going to have some of it up on the screen, but, but we want you to, it's going to be several places where we want to go today, where we kind of want to develop a biblical theology of relationships out of the book of Proverbs. And it's going to be a rash overview, but I want to zoom you into some bullet points to kind of give just, just several things in relation to the beauty of what it means to walk in godly relationships, Christ-centered relationships that's centered on particular characteristics. That means that many of us are going to be challenged how we choose people to hang with. Most of us choose people to hang with based on relational chemistry. Like if you get, in, if you just start talking to a person, man, so-and-so's cool, man. It seems like we knew each other all our lives. And so there becomes a five-minute affinity that causes you to want to spend more time with that person, hang out with that person, chill with that person, trade life story. You know, and you, you know how it is. I, I feel like I've known you all my life. But then, but, but, but in the Bible, it tends, I mean, that's good. And God uses that natural revelatory form format for relationship initiation and relationship building but the book of proverbs gives a larger more 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 fat schematic 
of what it looks like as a as a believer, as a as a Christian to be to be absolutely unadulteratedly picky. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about alienating yourself from the community of the fool because you have to be missional. But there's a difference between doing life with a person and being in a place where you can engage a person missionally for the purpose of the gospel. But that's not the people you do life with. See, there's a difference. See, see, there's a group of people that God has always set it up through the biblical re- uh, uh, record, and it's most fully defined in the Christian community what it looks like to have biblical characteristics on local communities, and we're going to go into this a lot further when we get to going through our core values and when we get into talking about the nature and purpose of the local church. But here, I wanted to, Pastor Deuce and I felt like we wanted to give you a snapshot of navigating relationships. You know, many of us, when we hear about relationships, we become very scared because we've had some bad experiences. And although those bad experiences are valid, they are invalid in relationship to your unwillingness to submit to God's format for his worshiping community centered on Jesus and laced with his wisdom. I want you to hear that. And so today, I'm just going to talk about three points, a few sub-points, and and I want you to kind of page along with me as we go through the pages of, 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 uh, of Proverbs and walk through and talk about what does it mean, what does it mean to have a proper understanding of relationship issues and developing Christ-centered relationships. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. That brings me to my first point. Flee the community of the fool. Flee the community of the fool. Look at verse 8. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent if they say, come with us. Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. And a hole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. This passage Solomon pulls out is, it's interesting that right after Solomon talks about he and his wife tag teaming, in raising their children. And, 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 and before that, he talks, about, he talks about what it looks like to be a receiver of wisdom. But it's interesting that in teaching a son, he didn't start with the birds and the bees. Um, he didn't start with how to choose a woman. Um, he, didn't start with, he didn't start with you need to get a job. He, he didn't start with that. The first thing that Solomon laces his son with practically is how you choose friends. He, 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 he believes, I believe, 
that the way you choose community, the way you choose relationships, the way you choose the people that you do life with says a lot about everything else in your life. See, the people you hang with by virtue of how they live, by virtue of how people react to them, by virtue of who they are in public, they display, they display core values, they display mindsets, they display philosophies. And so Solomon says, son, I want you to be careful who you do life with. He says, I want you to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. I want you, because there is going to be an onslaught, son. He says, when, when you come from under your, your mom and my, our tutelage, he says, there will be people waiting for you to call you into their community. And because of that, I want to prepare you on what they're going to do, what their purpose is, and where they're going so that you won't get so blown away by their externals, their flyness, their coolness, their smoothness, what they have, that it doesn't blind you and drunken you from God's wisdom. And so he says, he says under, under fleeing the community of a fool, he says, resist their advances. Resist their advances. He says right here, he says, he says if sinners entice you, he says, do not consent. Do not consent. In other words, he says, when they come to you and try to get you to join their crew, I want you to fall back. He says, now listen, this is their technique. Their technique of getting you in community with them is enticement. Is enticement. And look at what he entices them with. He says, come with us. Let us lie and wait for blood. Let's run capers. In D.C., we used to call them capers when a cat would go out and and, and go up on a drug strip and rob some cats. That was called a caper. You know what I'm saying? You ran a caper. He says, Solomon's so practical. He know the streets. He know the crib. And he know the wisdom of God. So he knows what it's like. Now, this you got to understand, Solomon has been such a student of culture to be able to raise his son. He wasn't raised on the streets. He was raised in a palace. But he was so concerned about his son being able to know life comprehensively that he studied everything from, from, the, the, from the covenant community of God's people to the corner. And he was so dope with his that he said, son, I know how cats are. You think because I got on this robe. You think because I got on this crown. You think because I got all this wisdom. I don't know what's really up. Son, I know what's up. Let me holler at you for a second. Don't let him entice you. It's, it's, it's powerful that he begins talking about they lie in wait for people's blood. He says not only do they lie in wait for people's blood, in other words, they want to kill somebody. Um, they, 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 like she old, they sw- let us swallow them alive. It says in verse 13, we shall find all kinds of precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. He basically says they're going to begin to tell you what are the blessings of being in community with them. And what they do is they tell you what the blessings of the community, what it's like to be in community with them without telling you the horror stories of what the cost of being in community with them. He says so what they do is they show you the glitz and glam. They show you, the, they show you, they floss stuff in front of you to try to get you in the crew. But at the end of the day, all of them fall flat face. And so he says, son, I want you to be extremely careful 
who you hang with. I want you to, I want you to be scared about what you, what you grab a hold of, what you allow to entice you. And he says, so, so what I want you to do is I want you to resist their advances. He, and, and, what, and this was interesting about what, what lays out the depth of their community. He says, it says right here, he says, verse 14, throw in your lot among us, powerful. When, 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 what he's saying is these cats would get out together and they would say, listen, throw your plot in, throw your lot in with us. In other words, whatever happens to us, that's a blessing happens to you. But the scary thing about that is they don't tell you about the cursed part of what happens to them that happens to you. So they basically say, will you come into relationship with us? Will you come into community with us? We'll split the money with you. We'll split the get whatever we get from the spoils of foolishness. We 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 want we're, we're a team, we're a crew. I was just watching a crazy program on MSNBC about this, this these cats called the MS13. Um, it's a growing gang of about a hundred thousand all over the globe who are growing, um, and 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 and, bec- and we have a high and highly Latino population in Philadelphia. I mean, it hasn't hit Philly as hard as it hit some places, but it's hitting. I was, I was interested to just see the type of people that were in the gang, but then the profile of the cats, what they were willing to do. They've done something crazy. They've been able to merge two worlds that have never been merged. They've been able to merge the world of the, 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 the grimy third world and American street thug poor and merge it with the mob culture. Now, y'all, y'all don't understand how lethal that. See, 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 criminals on the block been dumb for years. But now you got to merge with the mob who can slit your throat and nobody knows. And you, you're just standing there like this, and they look around to see who did it, and you don't even know who did it. But what's, what's marked these cats is, is, they've, is they've got in here and they begin develop, and they, what these MS guys, they've developed a community. They develop, and the biggest thing is community. The biggest thing is community. The biggest thing that draws them in is the camaraderie of relationship, the camaraderie of doing life together, the camaraderie of the willingness to not just say, I give my life for you, dog. I love you, man. Like you just got drunk off some bull farmers and you talking smack with your friend in the car. Someone, man, I love you too, man. I love you, man. I mean, we in third grade together, man. Like they ain't talking. That's a, they talking for real, for real. I'll die for you. And I'm scared. Because sometimes I feel like in the community of faith, we lack a sacrificial loving of one another. I, I feel like in the, in, the, in the community of faith that it's easy for people to be enticed to join the community of fools because they see more love in relationship with the fool than they see in the relationship with the quote-unquote faithful. And so I, I think we're crying out here. It's as 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 Solomon is lacing his son with this. I, I want to know what are we enticing people with? What are, what are we enticing people with it as God's community of faith? I mean, the world we can't compete with their media excellence. We can't 
We can't compete. But what nutritional value has become so unadulteratedly saturated with truth and enticement and love that a person will do what it takes to to want to be in community with? It? I saw a dude get jumped into the gang. I I mean, I mean, it's about six cats, and they just put. I mean, they put the, I mean, they put the beat down on this cat. It reminds me, Tom Skinner, um, a, a guy I really look up to, an innovator. He got jumped into a, a, um, a, a group in Harlem, like in the 60s. And he talks about how he was a, a, the son of a pastor. Um, and, and as he was a son of the pastor and how he felt alienated from the realness and opportunity to be laced with truth. However, then he looked out in his block and he saw all of these cats and gangs running together. He said, man, I want to be like these cats. I don't want to be like the community of faith. He said, I grew up with in the church. I saw everything. I saw them hanging together. I saw the way they acted. And if that's the way it's going to be, I'd rather join a gang. And I hope this is not a church bashing session. That's not what it is. But it's a call for us to begin to be reformatted in relation uh, to how we develop relationships and how we develop community. But if you're going to do that, you've got to flee the community of the fool by first resisting the advances of the fool. But then, then from there, you've got to redirect your passions. Remember, he says here, do not let them entice you. See, See, he's not telling him to not be enticed by anything. He's just telling him not to let them entice him. That's key. Because many people look at passion, many people look at desires, and they see it as bad. And then we try to shift the blame and blame somebody else. But James chapter 1 verse 14 says something beautiful. It says, each one, each one is tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust. Listen, lust is not a bad thing. Let me say that again. Lust is not a bad thing. The Bible uses lust in two ways. It uses it as a passion for evil, and it uses it as a passion for good. When it says, in 1 Timothy 3, 1, it says, If anybody desires the office of an elder or overseer or bishop, this is a great uh, office they desire. That word desire there is the same word usually used for lust. So lust isn't always a bad term. Many times, though, it's because we, we, we don't properly grab a hold of and direct our passions for life and godly directions when other things come available that the enemy makes available. Because we've starved it, now we make it available to the first and easiest thing that comes to our lives. And when that happens, we begin to develop relationships with people who have a passion for the same things. So we have to redirect our passions. But not only that, we got to, you got to remove yourself from the realm of temptation. Verse 15, he says, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. As I look at what he's saying, he says, listen, I want you to hold back yourself from their ways. Ways, of course, can be uh, a translated road. In other words, their, 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 their place in life, their direction in life. I want you to fall back from their paths, he tells them. But then not only that, he says, remind yourself of the consequences of foolish community. <laughs> he goes in verse 16, he says, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But this, 
But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. In other words, he says right here, listen, this is the end of the person for the most part that lives a life of foolishness. We have to remind ourselves of the end when we're being glamorized by them of the opportunities in the beginning. That's key. That's, that's key because no matter what commercial I see on TV, I, I remember, like, I, my, I, I'm not gonna, I got a family member. I'm not going to put them out there. They, I mean, they got Bowflex. They got the, um, what's the thing, the, the, the roller thing, the, the, the row. They got that. They got the, the thing that you get on the thing and go like this. I mean, they got all this stuff. So they see the commercial. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I got to get something going here. And they look at the, they look at the joint. They're like, man. And then, like, they make it look all strong on TV. Like, you pulling it. And they had a cast all ripped up and going like that and going like that. And, they, and I mean, they ripped up. And you're like, yeah, in just 20, 20 minutes a day, three, three times a week, you know, six weeks, I'm going to be pal. So they say, boom, boom, call the number, 1-800-GET-IT. And they call it, and they get it sent in, had a joint put together. And, like, I don't know if y'all ever seen, like, some of the joints on TV, but they don't look as weighty when you get them like they did on TV. Like, it's all loose. You could just, and it just, you're like, where the, where the, I thought it gave you some, like, pull to it. Like, I'm pulling the joint. It's like, it's like I'm just on a merry-go-round and stuff. I'm like, this is, fl-. I'm like, this is, fl-. I'm sitting up like, oh my, I mean, I, I'm, then, then he'll do it again. He'll see another one. Oh, I bet you that one worked. He'll bring that in. Then to get that joint, like, I tried to get on it, the joint squeaking. I almost twist my ankle. I'm like, and he put it together right. And I'm sitting up like, why do you continue to purchase these joints when you know that they're inferior? Why don't you look at what happened at the end the last time and control yourself from picking up the phone in the beginning? That's what we have to do in our lives. We, we have to begin seeing the end of what it looks like to be in the community with fools and say, look, I've seen what's going to happen. I've already seen the climax of the story, which is actually not a climax, but, but, a, but, a, but a dark comedy at the end. Because God laughs at their end. What do we do in the beginning to not be so glamorized, acting like the end won't ever actually happen? Because we're so deeply enticed and so deeply drawn in by the community of the fool. Some of you say, well, I'm I'm not in the community of the fool. Okay, you're not. If you kick it with people that never have God's mind like when God is brought up God's way of thinking comes up it spoils everything like I know I know why you got to bring that up we got to be real sometimes like if you got somebody that's always someone you got to be I know what the Bible says but you got to be real you in the community of a fool pretty much pretty much pretty much you 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 chilling with a fool like whenever, whenever, whenever Jesus' name is brought, whenever, like, like, like not sneaking something into the movie theater comes up. Like, oh, why, why, I mean, it, I mean, it, that doesn't matter. Like, uh, it, it'll be okay. Like, 
You're in the community of, because sometimes those little things that people compromise in turn into larger compromises. And, and the issue is the Bible teaches that sin never underestimates sin. Remember what God told Cain? He says, sin is crouching at your door. And, and, and it grew until him killing his brother. So, so the community of fools, you, you have to flee the community of fools. But not only, not only that, you've got to be willing to follow the way of the wise. You've got to be willing to follow the way of the wise. Turn to Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of righteousness, this is deep, is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls or wins souls is wise. This is the MO of the wise. You have to follow the way of the wise. One of the first things that the wise do is the wise rescue people from a life of foolishness. The wise rescues people from a lifestyle of foolishness. In this verse, it says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Now, I know you heard what the tree of life is based on. He's not talking about the tree of life in Genesis. But he's talking about a tree that's marked by experiencing a different life, a different way in relation to having a relationship with God. And with us being Christians, a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting here is that he says the fruit, he says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's interesting that he uses the language, a tree being fruit, powerful. He says, that, he, says, he says, the fruit of the wise is a tree of life. Now, what is fruit? Fruit is anything that is supposed to identify you with someone, something, or someplace. In other words, if you see an orange, you know it's an orange because it resembles the community of oranges. If you see an apple, you know that that's an apple, and then there are different families of apples. You know what you know. You know the the, the red and delicious. You know the Granny Smiths. You know that like they they're different types of apples, but all of them are apples. He said the fruit of the wise or the righteous is a tree. Well, inside every fruit is a seed, and. Within every piece of fruit is the ecosystem of its full development without the development. What he's saying is the fruit of the righteous are the seeds that are inside of them that they plant, that grow in the trees, that make more fruit, that make more trees, that make more fruit, that make more trees, that make more fruit, that make drop seeds, that make more trees. In other words, the righteous are marked by displaying and reproducing Jesus Christ lookalikes. We're marked by it. That's our M.O., y'all. Like, it's not like we're supposed, and, and, and what's beautiful is he gives the full gambit of the end result of what it means for our fruit. I, I was looking at this, and I just kept saying, how's a fruit a tree? How's a fruit a tree? How's a fruit a tree? And it's because of the spilling of the seed that allows for the germination of a tree 
that multiplies itself and not just bearing fruit, but making more trees that bear fruit. We have to be marked by that, family. We as the community, this is simple, but I want you to think about it. Every believer must be marked by reproduction. That's your call. If you're going to be in the community of the wise, you got to reproduce yourself. That means not reproducing your mess, but reproducing the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that's why Jesus gave us the great commission. That's why he told us at the end of John 15 what it looks like to bear fruit missionally because he wants us to bear fruit and he wants our fruit to multiply. The parable of the soils was about the person who would ultimately bear a lot of fruit. Ladies, men, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you are called to reproduce. You have been, everybody has been given a spiritual womb. Everybody, every believer in Jesus has been given a spiritual womb. College students, I know you're in school and you're focusing on schoolwork. But I'm telling you, God didn't put you at that school just for you to get an education. But God put you on that college campus as a pregnant believer in Jesus to drop seeds. And as you drop seeds, God wants you to reproduce Jesus Christ lookalikes where you live and dwell. It's imperative. It's important. It's not just for us to enjoy worship. It's not for us to just enjoy a sermon. It's not for us to just enjoy coming to a building. But at the end of the day, if you want to be marked as a wise person, Solomon says, you got to be reproducing yourself. Reproduction. Have you ever done it? And this is not to just make you feel bad. Oh, I'm not doing it. But but it's time to begin to, to change that. That's one of the reasons why we're going to small group communities. Is to be a microcosm of the macro in order for you to reproduce yourself. And everybody can do it. Everybody's will be different, but everybody must be a reproducer. You have trees, plural, of life within you. And he says, if, if you're really going to bear fruit, it looks like people growing up in the faith. It looks like people going from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. What does Paul say in Colossians 1.28? Admonishing and teaching every man that we may present him complete in Christ. Your job, your job as a community. He says, we proclaim him admonishing. He didn't just say he proclaims him. He says, we proclaim him. When you become a Christian, you become, even though you might not ever get a physical pulpit, you are called to the pulpit of life. And you're called to admonish people about God's nutrients. You're called to show him off with a crew, not just by yourself, but with a crew. And, you're called, and we're going to keep preaching it, and we're going to keep telling you it until we see reproduction. And what you're called to do is to present somebody complete in Christ. When you get before the beamer seat of Christ, Jesus wants to know what you did on the return of the seeds that are in your soul. See, many of us think about, I can sing, I want to use my singing gift. I can rhyme, I want to use that. That's good. But there's something even beyond that that you're required to do. That every believer, by purpose and by design, design is called to do. Reproduction. 
and, and, and not just leading people to Jesus. The Bible never tells us just that. Never. Never. Show me where it says it. It says either make a disciple or present them complete. That means that you're involved in the process of somebody's life to make them more than just a seed but a tree. Listen to me. Listen to me. Like uh, we we all like 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 we got to be careful of just talking about the first tier of the process with sharing our faith. We must do it. We must proclaim it. We must preach Jesus, but we also must take someone by the hand and walk with them. We must take them by the hand and see them begin to make better decisions. We got to begin to see what it looks like for them to be laced with God's philosophy of life. You got to be walking with someone, but you got to do it with a community of people. The fruit of the righteous is a tree. But then he says, he has an appendices to this verse. He says, and whoever captures souls is wise. This word capture is a powerful term. I don't have time to unpack it. But, but, but capture is a powerful, powerful term. It's a term of, of violence. Like wind kind of dumbs it down a little bit, captures is kind of like the sense of the word. In other words, it means to, to, to now I'm not telling you to pounce on somebody, but what, but what it means, what, what it has in its connotation is when you drop the seed into the person to become a tree, what happens is, is you rescue them. You rescue them from the community of fools. Every one of us, before we trusted Jesus, were in the community of the fool. But when you trusted Jesus, you are positionally brought into the, the, the community of the wise. Whenever you do this, he says, you save their life. The word uh, uh, nefesh there for soul can mean life, comprehensive being, what makes them them. He says you save the core of their being, so we must be a group of people that are reproductive, people that capture, capture souls. But not only that, you got to request, if you're going to follow the way of the wise, you got to request solid counsel and resist uh, impulsiveness. You got to request solid counsel. <laughs> And resist impulsiveness. Turn to 1522. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Counsel. <laughs> counsel. 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 powerful. In Proverbian literature, there is an assumption. Parents raise you in God's way. Listen to me. Parents train you in God's way. God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. But when you grow up, based on how you were raised... Based on God's way, based on Deuteronomy 6, 4, or the whole Shema, having a life marked by God's word, Joshua 1, 8 and 9, not allowing the law to depart from your mouth, there was an assumption 
that based on you being raised in the community of the wise, parents entrust you to the community. Parents don't just throw you into a fallen world. They entrust you to a group of people. Even if parents don't say that they entrust you to a group of people, and they don't, they still entrust you because they've let you go into the world of the wise. Check this out. In their mindset, in the Jew, in this mindset, in the Jewish mindset, it, it was assumed that when you were raised that you were going to choose the right people to be with. See, parents were in your life to be the strong disciplinary hand in your life. But when you grow up and you became mature, both naturally and even in some aspects spiritually, you were called to gather a community. You were called to grab a community of advisors and of counselors and of disciples that would come around your life to supplement the rearing nutrition that your parents gave you. Now, what you would do is you would gather these people around you, but you would gather them based on biblical characteristics of what your parents laced your life with. Parents did discipline and harshness and shut up and eat your food. Sit down or I'll tear your butt up. My father, in other words, he said, I'll skin you, boy. I just got scared in the mug when he'd say that. Skin me, good God in heaven. Go get a switch off the tree and bring it here so I can plait it and tear your butt up. That's parents. Advisors are people that you voluntarily submit your life to for them to speak into your life and to hold you to walking with God. He says in the verse, if you don't have these type of people in your life, you'll flunk. Plain and simple. It's no easy way of putting it. If you don't have people that you can bounce stuff off of, peers who are beasts, disciples or, or people in the community who are beasts, who you have access to, who you can just, what should I do about this? I want to drop, I want to do this. I, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of this girl? What do you think of me just taking this job? What do you, what do you think? You got to have some people that you can ask, what do you think? And you can trust what they're going to tell you. You got to have that in your life. It's a part of being a Christian. It's, un, it's, 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 un, it's non-negotiable. I don't care how, how many degrees I got. I got three of them. I still need counselors. But this is the key. Everybody's not going to be your counselor in every part of your life. There are people that are strong in one area and weak in another. Don't ask them that. If they don't know how to work their finances, but they know how to memorize scripture, you go to them for scripture memorization. You don't go to them for finances. You go to somebody else. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You go to somebody else. But you need a community. We're called as the church to be a community of counselors. Every one of you in here are called to be a person that's so mature in the faith that somebody that is inexperienced in a particular area of life can come to you as a specialist and bounce something off of you and you give them a biblical, spirit-filled, Christ-centered 
answer. <laughs> you got to have it. Listen, and, and many of us are so bullheaded. Is we go to people and say, we present half of it. So what we do is we present the part that leans toward what we want to do in the first place. And then the counsel, a, a good person to bounce something off of asks you questions. They don't answer at first. They begin to say, well, tell me, like, it seems like, you, you, I, it seems like you're making a decision. On, like, what about, and what about, and what about, and we're finally finished dissecting your, with the what about questions, based on your what do you think questions. They've called you out of trying to coerce them into being an affirmer rather than a counselor. There's a difference. There's a difference. See, see, and see, and see what you, see, you can't be so, oh man, you can't be just that person that just wants life your way. I remember when I, when I deliberately went to people that pour into my life and told them part of the story so they'd say yes. And if I was ever asked by some of my accountability that I'd be able to say, oh, I did get count. Did you get in the council? Oh yeah, man. I asked somebody, man, he was agreeing with what I was saying. But I want you to put yourself out there. I want you to say, this is what I want, but these are the options. Help me. you got to be able to do that because your life will be a bunch of crash and burns. If you don't, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you'll be a bunch of crash and burn joints and you'll be frustrated and wondering why and disappointed with God and God ain't had nothing to do with it. It was our inability to listen to counsel. Some of us get the right counsel and we like, like some of y'all, I, I don't want, don't come to me no more. Don't ask, like, don't come to me, ask me, Pastor, what you think about, man, you always want, you always want to just ruin stuff. You are, don't, don't come to me then. Or you get it, praise God, hallelujah, weeping and praying when we finish, then you walk away and just do some old bugged out something. <laughs> Y'all know who you are, amen, praise God. But it's important, it's important that you not just get counsel, but you use it. And, uh, and, and listen, use it when it's hard to apply it. See, you know it's good counsel when it's real hard to put into practice. When it, when it takes, when your flesh is, is angry, when you, you, you ever had your, you ever, God wants you to do something, and your flesh just crawling with, with just anger and frustration that God making you take the long route. You ever, you ever had God give you the, wrong, wrong, the long route and you just angry? You just, and, but, oh, but something felt good about it, though. Something, something just felt good about it. And it wasn't just some esoteric, subjective something. It was because it was God's word. Ah, I got to move. I got to move. But, but we, need, we need godly counselors. It says, he says, if you don't get counselors, he says, your plans fail. He says, your plans fail. He says, but with many advisors, they succeed. 2018. He says, plans are established by counsel, but wise guidance, by wise guidance, war is waged. Next, final point, and I'm out your way. Fellowship with the community of the wise. Flee the community of the fool. Follow the community of the wise. 
and fellowship with the community of wives. Now, there's a difference between following and fellowship, and I want to break that down. I want to bring out a little bit of corn and knee. I don't want to give it all away because we're going to talk about it later. But I got to talk about how um, Proverbs doesn't use the word corn and knee. It'll use the word companion, friend, associate. It'll use those type of words to be kind of like a picture of what it looks like to be in relationship with someone. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, um, I believe it's 1 Samuel 18.1. It says, and that day, Jonathan and David became as one soul. That's a pretty verse. It's a beautiful verse that talks about the, because our core values are the same, that our souls, our lives are stitched together. Not as someone that you just got chemistry with, but someone that is driven by the glory of Christ like you are. And because of that relationship, like me and Pastor Deuce, we're yin and yang. Yin and yang like a mug. Yin, yang, yin, two different. But our souls are knit together because of common values. And so in this, in this, in this verse right here, turn over to Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. Oh, dang, I should have came here faster. Look, fellowship with the community of the wise. Why? Because they reject isolation. The community of the wise rejects isolation. This word for isolation is a word that means this person is a, is a schismatic person. They're divisive. They're antisocial. They're selfish. They're either physically alone, has little or no association of the friendly kind, assumedly due to egocentrism. Isolation. See, the fool likes isolation from everybody else. Now, just because a person... Look, you can be in relationships with others and still be isolating yourself. Because it's assumed in Proverbs that if you're not in the community of the wise, you're isolated. It's assumed. The person that isolates themselves, it says, seek what they want. In Israel, they had a term called cut off. Say cut off. Throughout, like, if you just, if if you walk through... Y'all too are simple, man. Um, cut off is a, is a term. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to recover from these two right now. Y'all pray for them, man. Um, cut off. Cut off is a term that's utilized to talk about a person that has violated community ethics. And that person, either for a short time or for good, are not able to have community with the commonwealth of Israel. Now, our version of that is called church discipline. However, the person that isolates themselves is a person that, without having it done for them, they do it for themselves. So what they do 
is when a person is put under community discipline, that means the rights and privileges of what it means to be in community with the community of wives, in our case, the community of the church with Christ as the head, those privileges are relinquished. That means that when a person is under church discipline, they cannot cast out demons. They cannot, they cannot get, if they need money from somebody in the community, we're called to tell them no. They cannot get counsel. They can't, the things that are normal, their prayers will not be heard. They will not have the joy of the Lord on their lives. In other words, a person that's cut off are not just cut off from being in, 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 around their buddies. They're cut off almost in a sense from the life of God. There are, there are privileges that come with being a part of God's people. There, there, there comes, there's processes. There's an ecclesiological church order. There's offices. There, there's a submission. There's a submitting process. And listen, when you isolate yourself, you put yourself in the place where you are not able to communally access the things that God has handed to the, to the church. Isolating yourself, isolating yourself is one of the most, it's the most scary thing in the world. And, and I was watching, I was watching, man, uh, National uh, Net Geo last night, man. And man, this one, this one, um, this cattle man, he had like a half a horn. He walking along after the, after the flock. He going like this, you know, kind of chilling, looking around, eating and carrying on. The flock moving. But they got to eat. He's chewing and carrying on. And the lionesses, they up in the thicket. And they, and, they, and they looking right at him. They like, you see him? You take the left flank. You take the right flank. And I'm going to hit the middle. Main man up there chewing and chilling. Chewing and chilling. Chewing and chilling. And man, all of a sudden the lions, they get down and then they stand, they, they ease their web, they so smooth, they ease their web, and then they take off after. Now he want to get with the flock. Oh, now you want to be with the flock now. Some lions coming. They're like, peace, fam, peace, fam. We across the water already. We told you to come on. We were, and you, back then, now, and by yourself. Man, them lions tore that ox, I mean, I mean, I mean, they tore that ox up. Don't let the hyenas get you because they'll eat you while you're still alive. See, the enemy likes to isolate you. He loves to isolate. He likes you. He, are you proud? You want to? I'll give you some more just so you won't like the body anymore. I do it just so you won't like God's people anymore. So you think you can do it by yourself. Matter of fact, I'll give you some false exaltation just so you can feel like you are all right. Give you enough strength to isolate your butt and sift you like wheat. The fellowship of the community of the wise is for your safety. Jesus says, I am the door to the sheepfold. If anybody comes through me, they will come in and they will find pasture. Pasture is the place of where you graze and don't have to be worried about it. And so Christ calls us to not isolate ourselves. It says this person seeks their own desire. They got their own plan. I always can tell somebody who got their own plan when they come into the community. Always. 
always. They come to you. I got to talk to you about something. Then they start laying out some old, some old bugness. There's some old, just some old kind of, a dude came in uh, one time trying, telling me, uh, God has given me the gift of prophecy and he called me to, to pro- he want me to prophesy and give you the, I said, man, first off, fall back. Not that we don't believe in the gifts of the spirit, all right? But you got to like, 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 humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he'll exalt you if you do not faint. But you want, you want to kick the door open. And see what happens, and see what happens is, is a person that's an isolationist is when they don't get their way, they leave and they keep going here and they tell their story. They go here and they tell their story. They go here and they tell, and they never end up anywhere because they seek their own desire. And God is steadily saying, sit your butt down, sit your butt down, sit your butt down and get in community. The only time an isolationist likes being around people is when they're the focus. Listen, listen. I like when somebody, I find out later you're gifted. Like I find out by accident that you're a beast. But if you tell me you're a beast, you're not a beast. You ain't a beast. You know, Pastor, you know, I am kind of a beast with my, you know what I'm saying? I said, well, all beasts who know they're beasts sit in the back and, you know, that's where they go. But isolation, isolation. Be careful of, of isolating ourselves. These are the characteristics of a person that isolates themselves. They disagree with everyone about everything. They take non-essential Bible doctrine and make them overtly central, uh, overtly central scheme. Now, most people, when they think of the word heretic, dang. What most people, when they think of the word heretic... They, 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 they think of a person that comes in and gives false doctrine. But when you go to Titus 3.10, and a small, and this was a church plant. The, the word there is the word where we, it's called heretikos. Listen, it's a person that causes division between soul relationships. In other words, Nick and Tiff have gotten knitted together as one soul. Then all of a sudden, the heretic comes in. They believe the same doctrine, but the heretic wants in. So instead of wanting to be, they try to do this, try to bring cutting between them, cause divisiveness in the community. See, that's a heretic biblically. A heretic is someone who wants to break up the soul of the community of faith from being effective to doing God's mission. And so we have to be careful of, of, of how people come in. So, so they, 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 they always, another thing, assert that they can do what the body does without the body. I got a church in my own house. Need no church. Ain't nobody but a bunch of hypocrites anyway. All y'all do is sing all day and all y'all do, but y'all don't do nothing. And you got a bunch of stuff. Well, well, come on in and help us, dog. You got so much to say, man. Come on in. Isolationists always think they got the corner on the kingdom. Got to got a corner on the kingdom. Not only that, they say, I want to get, now this is how they fool you. This is how they really fool you. I want to get back to what the early church was like. I know you do. That means you want to talk the whole time while all of us listen. That's all it is. 
you don't want to give. That's what it is. I mean, they kind of every now and then lay some at the apostles' feet flat out. You know, I'm a, I mean, always going, like, and, and, they, and they use the cover of doctrinal prowess and, and, and pure practices to, to veil the fact that they want to be at the forefront. But the one who rejects isolation, number one, comprehends their sinful tendencies. If you're going to be in community, First John says, if you front like you ain't got sin, you are a liar and the truth ain't in you. The first chapter of 1 John is about being in proper community with God and God's people. Listen, if, if you don't know you jacked up, you a liar. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I mean, I ain't said a confession in a long time. You lying. Ain't that you ain't said it. You ain't lying about that, but you just lying at the fact that you didn't need to. In other words, we, if you want to be in community, there are no people in community that come in, that's supposed to come in unbroken and unknowledgeable of how jacked up we are. We come in community assuming that we're jacked up and are in desperate need of the cross to, to give us a level ground to even have a useful community. So, so, so we got to recognize our sinful timber, comprehend it. Understand that Christ has placed them into a community. Listen, when you become a Christian, you are placed into the universal church, but you are called to be a part of a local church. Where do I see that in the Bible? Um, to the people at Ephesus, to the people at First Corinth, to the church at Crete. I mean, those sound like local churches to me, not the universal church that some people try to use. Because isolationists try to say, well, you know, it's just universal churches in the New Testament. It's not like local churches. Yes, it is. Appoint elders, plural, in every city, churches. In, so anyway, just bugness. He said that Christ, that next, next, the isolationist, I mean, the one who rejects isolationist, knows that Christ's blessings are given to a covenant group. Ah, I wish I had time to talk about this. He says, listen, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that Christ has blessed us. Not me. He said, he said, we have access to all of the blessings in Christ in the heavenly places, but he gave it to a us. He ain't give it to a me. When Christ gave gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, he gave it to not man, he gave it to men. So by virtue of your calling, you are laced and you were wired to be in relationships. Dang, I got to move. You were laced and wired to be in relationship. Not only that, uh, 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 yeah, 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 that's it, that's it, that's it. Okay. Now, the, the next thing that they do is they receive hard words as medicine. Chapter 27, verses 5, 6, and 17. I'll be done in a second. Y'all all right with me? All right. <clears throat> Look at verse 5. Better is, a, is, is open rebuke than love, than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse or deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Jesus knows about this. Uh, Judas came up to him. Jesus, my man. Mwah. He said, what you do, do quickly. He said, I know you double-crossing me. Your kiss don't matter to me. He said, I'm going to the cross. It was already planned. Move out the way. Who do you see? See, there's a lot of people that can, like everybody that always, I don't like being around people that always tell me how good I am all the time. 
you a beast. You that, you that, you that, you that. But never come up and begin saying, ah, E, um, boom, and are able to, like, wound me. Wound me. And, 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 and even if I get ticked off at them and cuss at them or get angry, I go away, the spirit deals with my heart. And, and, and that conv- first, it's the wound of the fact that they had the audacity to say that to me. First, I'm, I'm thinking about how I can just knock their eyes up and, and hit them with a tuba. I mean, I'm thinking about all kinds of ways to just end your life. But then I walk away. Then I walk away, and the spirit of the living God begins to just say, shut up. Then he puts my heart in a headlock and say, as much as you hated those words, you needed them. Go back, apologize, get on your knees, repent. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need people in your life that can tell you the truth about you, that love you enough to scramble up your view of your egocentric self so that you can put a deeper trust in Jesus and turn from prideful to humble. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need people in our lives that are telling us the truth. He says, these types of people are faithful. But then he goes into verse 17. He says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I always just thought of this as two blades, but not necessarily true. (laughs) Sometimes the person... It's, it's, it's several things in their culture. It was the anvil, which was what you were hit it, hitting on, the, 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 the piece of iron, and then it was another piece of iron crashing down on it. When somebody went out to battle and they were battling, their blade get jagged. So they have to go back, take the blade, put it in heat. Put the, and so that the blade become malleable again. Lay it down, put it on the anvil, and begin to hit it again. And begin to hammer out all of the jagged edges so that when you get out in battle, you're not dull as a fighter. You need some relationships that you went in dull and jagged, but when you got into the heat of talking to them, it melted you down. And then, and then, and then, and then what's, what's interesting is they would, they would take the mallet and bang it back into place and then go across it with another piece of metal to smooth it out. And then, while it was still, and it's hot. So you the, the piece of metal is hot while this other piece of metal is hitting it. Can you imagine being already mad at somebody already hot and it's still hitting down on you? But then they take it up. And what's beautiful is you know that you were in the community of the wise is they take the piece of iron and lay it in water to cool it down. You need some relationships that take you through the entire developmental process. And that's what we do. To, the Bible says that is what the Christ-centered community is. That's what we do for one another. We make one another hot. We, 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 we lay one another down. We, we hit on each other, but then we cool one another off and send one another out to be useful again. And when we got some more battle scars, we do the same thing over again. But then finally, and I'm out of the way, I'm out of the way, I promise. Finally, rejoices in right relationships. 
2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It says in ESV, it says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. I like the way the New Living translates this. It says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy companionship with those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I love that. I love that. That's, all, that's it, y'all. Enjoy companionship with one another. Take advantage of it. Actually enjoy it. God is going to call you to build relationships with people that you have nothing in common with but him. I'm telling you. And, and, and can you deal with that? Can you deal with all you got in common? All we got in common is Jesus. I mean, I don't, I mean, won't go, like, I don't like doing what, but they love Jesus. I love Jesus. We're in community. We're in a relationship. I'm not, I'm not talking about forced fellowship. Like, I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about recognizing just because a person doesn't have anything naturally in common with you doesn't mean that they can't spiritually develop you. Enjoy and lust in this passage ain't just sexual lust. It's talking about the same enticement we were talking about earlier. False, anything that causes us to put our passions in the wrong places. It says flee youthful lust. Pursue righteousness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the name of the Lord with a, full, with a, with a pure heart. That's what you got to do. You got to begin enjoying the community of faith, taking advantage of it. If you haven't taken advantage of what God has made available already, don't complain. A lot of people come, they complain, but they don't take advantage of what's already available. Don't take advantage of relationships. Relationships. And so what's important is, is that we as a community begin the depth of what it means to enjoy what it means to be righteously enticed. And spurn along to what it means to be in love and in good deeds. That's what Jesus has called us to, y'all. It's to enjoy, actually like each other. Actually like each other. Actually love each other. Even though we may not have things in common. And for those who we have stuff in common with, not allowing our commonality to take central place above Jesus. That's real important. Because it's easy for what we like to become conversation, but the one who we love never gets to the conversation. True enjoyment of relationships is only enjoyed when Jesus is the center and he's held in common and you all are going together in the same direction. We all are going together in the same direction. Lord, um, relationship issues. God, many of us are...